What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Robert Moore Podcast. I am your host, Robert Moore. If you want to email me, email me, robert at morewriting.com. Go visit my website for all my other stuff, www.morewriting.com. So what's up with y'all? Hopefully everybody's good. I'm good. It was a stormy few days, but um, Northeast Ohio has finally dried out. So on Wednesday night, I was leaving work late and uh, I'm driving. I look over to my right and there's like the beautiful skyline of Cleveland, Ohio. And then behind it, there was these dark clouds and in the dark clouds, there's you could see all of these lightning hops jump in between cloud to cloud. It kind of looked like the Highlander had took somebody's head and there can only be one and that whole thing was going on. It kind of looked like the Terminator had come to Cleveland in 2023 and was looking for Sarah Connor. I don't know why he would be looking for her here, but he was looking for her here. It kind of looked like it was a 1990s rap video. It kind of looked like maybe... Big Trouble in Little China was Big Trouble in Little Cleveland or Big Trouble in Cleveland. Big Trouble in Asia Town in Cleveland and the electrical guy was here to put in work. It was a lot of a, a lot of lightning. So I'm I'm rushing to get home. I get home and then uh probably about an hour later it starts raining. And it kept raining, it kept raining, and in the middle of the night I looked out my window and there was a lake in front of my house. Oh, the whole street was entirely flooded. I've only seen that happen one time since I was living here. But it started flooding and it flooded up to the sidewalk. And I kind of live on a, uh, my yard is kind of hilled. So it's going up. But that water kept coming up and I'm like, okay, I know we're stuck in the house. But at one point, do we say we need to get out of here? Or we need to try to make our way out of here. Um, we wouldn't have been able to make it out of there. We have Jeeps, but I don't think they would, they, they were going to get through that water. So luckily, well, unluckily, a lot of people that had to deal with that, their basements flooded, uh, no electricity. Uh, luckily we didn't get any flooding on our electricity stayed on. And then the next day the water kind of receded. But you drive around and you see everybody's stuff out on the curb because their basements totally flooded. It was it was it was flood city, and there was a lot of people without power. So okay, you think okay, it's cool, it's over, we can kind of move on. But no, no, the next day there were people who were um, dealing with the same thing again. Maybe if their electricity came on and went back off, there was some people who never got their electricity on 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 at all. There were some people that were just dealing with the flooding got flooded again. So we got hit twice. There's some people to this day, and this was this started Wednesday night, they still don't have their power on. Now some people, you know, hey, when I was growing up, I went months without power. And they're good, but then there's people who have medical conditions, there's people who have who need power. Um, people with food, you know, you can you can go a few days before your food spoils if you know how to open your refrigerator right. But after days and days, your food is kind of your food's probably done. So prayers and thoughts to all the people that had to deal with that. Hopefully, we're all past that where everybody's dried out and and these storms are over and um, 
we can have some some dry days for for a little while. Uh, one of the biggest things that happened in the news was the Wagner. It looks like Wagner, but I'm saying Wagner because it's Russian. The Wagner Group uh, leader um, Prigozhin, I want to say his name is. He died in a plane crash, and I don't want to make light of anybody dying or passing away, but I could have kind of saw that happening. I'm not surprised. My man should have watched more 1980s action movies to know this was going to happen. Anybody who went against Putin, they either got poisoned, they're in prison, or they're dead. Eventually, all those options just leading to, to death. So to take you all back to what happened, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine. That war was going on. He thought it was going to be an easy war. Ukraine was up to the task. They're they're giving Russia all they can handle and some. So Russia was like, cool, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to bring in the Wagner Group. Wagner Group will come in and handle all this. Wagner Group is a group that is kind of like a privatized military outfit from Russia. They went to Africa and other places in the world and was doing some pretty horrible things. They did some horrible things in, in Africa, some slaughtering, some murdering. And uh, he said, I'm going to bring that group in. And I, and I guess they're made up of people, prisoners who said, you know, I'll, I'll fight if I get my sentence reduced or I can get out of prison. So these are some rough, tough, hardened guys that um, are properly trained and they, they can handle business. So they go into Russia, and again, Ukraine, up to the challenge. And the the idea was you're going to send the Wagner Group in, and they're just going to come wave after wave, wave after wave. And Ukraine handled that wave after wave. So the so Progrosian, I'm, I'm butchering his name. Progrosian says, hey, wait a minute. Why are we being used for, for fodder? Um, when the Russian soldiers could be with us. Also, we don't have enough bullets. We don't have the supplies that we have. And my man went on national TV and was kind of complaining about this. Well, Putin intervened and kind of had peace and, and they went back fighting. But they still weren't getting what they needed. Um, the leader didn't agree with how this war was being fought. It was just a mess. And he had enough of it. So he had beef with Russia's minister of the, of the army. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't know. It's, it's the leader of the, of the military in Russia. They had a beef. And it got so bad to where um, Progoyzhin said, I'm taking my Wagner group. We are not going to fight in Ukraine, but instead we're going to march on on Moscow. So they start making their way to Moscow. People are high-fiving them, giving food through Moscow. This is a, a bad situation for Putin. By the way, Progrosian and Putin were friends. Progrosian was his chef for a long time, and sometime, somehow he parlayed that chef gig into a billionaire oligarch running this military outfit. So they were boys. He is going towards Moscow. This is looking like a coup. If anything, this is going to make Putin look weak. It's going to challenge Putin. It might it might give some other people in Russia a little bit of spark to maybe they want to do the same thing. So Putin, seeing this, talked to Progorzhin and somehow convinced him 
to stand down. Maybe he said, hey, we're boys. I know you got beef with my guy who is in charge of the military, but this is looking bad on me. Can you fall back? And Progrosian was like, hey, you're my man. I'm going to fall back for you. That was the wrong mistake because at this point, I knew that Progrosian was going to be dead unless he either ran or he can he successfully completed this coup. So he, here is his options at this point. Go to Moscow, take over Moscow, try to uh, take over and and successfully commit a coup in Russia. That was that was his option, especially for staying alive. His other option of staying alive would be to run, run to Ukraine, run to Greece, run somewhere, just run to where you can't get captured by Russia and you stay alive. His other option was to just kind of stand down and chill somewhere, chill in Belarus, chill in Russia. At that point, I knew that that was probably going to end up in death, even though Putin convinced him otherwise. Looking at 80s action movies, looking at how things usually go with this, he was probably going to end up dead. So he decided to fall back, even though he should have ran. And uh, he was on a private plane with 10 people. I guess they were also Wagner groups and they fell out of the sky. And that that was the end of that. So he should have ran. By the way, if you're a soldier that was in the Wagner group, you run. <laughs> run right now. If you're hearing this, pack up your stuff, pack up your family, run to the UK or Arizona or Australia or somebody because it's not too long for you. I know they told you you could join the Russian army. And even if they let you join the Russian army, you're going to be put on the front lines in a bad situation. Or there's going to be an accident that happens to you. My highly recommendation to you is to run. Hear those footsteps coming up the hallway? They are coming for you. Jump out of the window. Get in your car. Your car is going to blow up, by the way. Get on a bicycle. Get in somebody else's car. Steal a motorcycle. And go. Leave the country. Take all your money with you. Hopefully you got it in cash or gold. And get out. That's that's the only way that you're going to survive. On some somewhat lighter lighter news. Um, Bob Barker passed away at the age of 99 years old. If you grew up in the 80s. I would say 80s or 90s. Or even. Yeah 80s or 90s. Even part of the 2000s. You grew up with Bob Barker. Especially if your mom. If you were home and your mom was there. Your grandma was there. The daytime soaps was a big thing, but also the daytime game shows were a thing. And you watched The Price is Right. It was a show where if you knew about shopping and you knew about prices and you could strategize things enough that you could win some pretty decent prizes on the show. Um, I watched it when I was a young kid before I was school aged. I knew Bob Barker. I didn't want anybody to call me Bob or Rob in honor of Bob Barker. Just call me Robert. Let Bob be Bob. And uh, it was a fun game to watch. It was fun to watch people win, yelling at prices, looking in the newspaper to see what was what. It was a fun show. And Bob was always a cool character. Uh, he was somebody that that everybody just liked. He showed up in some movies. I think he was in Happy Gilmore fighting. He was a cool guy. Somebody that we all loved and, and rest in peace to Bob Barker. You did your job very well. A couple of shout outs that I want to give. First, I want to give my friend Vanessa Santiago a shout out. She listens to the show 
and um, she's been a supporter of mine ever since I started writing and uh, she's just a phenomenal person. Uh, one of the memories that I remember of Vanessa is when I was having my b- first book sale. It was with the International Writers Association, and uh, she showed up, and everybody just, just glowed about her smile. She had the best smile in the world, and um, I'll kind of, I'll kind of share something that I didn't share with her. But, um, you know, with the Listen to My Kaleidoscope book, it was about people who mean a lot to me. And it was these fictional stories based on these real life people. Well, there was a story that I had written for her and I was going to put into that that book. And (laughs) unfortunately, though, the story, I like the story. Um, The editors like the story. But it was um, it was it turned out to be a horror story. And it was like this this dystopian uh mad max setting and uh vanessa was the star of this show or the star of this this short story and uh, we liked it everybody liked it but then i thought is this like this murderous uh scary story is that what i want to say about my friend vanessa and the answer to that was no so I, i threw that story away i might bring it back for like a horror anthology and i'll change the character but that's that's not how I want, to, want people to think of my friend is just this this horror story. So um, I have another story in mind that might come out on my next book that I'm working on now. Um, something a little bit more deserving of Vanessa and not this Mad Max crazy uh, story that I had for her. Another person I want to shout out is Todd Gideon. Um, he and I knew each other for about 20 years now. Uh, he listens to the show. And uh, he knew me back from my early 20s when I was partying and I I was partying hard. We had a group that was coming. We would all meet in Columbus from different parts of Ohio and we would get our party on. I I took care of business. I took care of my schoolwork. I took care of my job. But then on the weekends, I I was I was partying. I was was partying hard. So shout out to Todd. Um, Miss those days. So our question of the week was, or or questions were, what was your first car? What was your memory about that car? And what was your dream car? And what made me think about that is we needed a second car because my daughter is going to kindergarten and uh, the wife needs to take her to school. So we picked up a second car. Shout out to my brother Tobias for taking me to go pick up my car because I bought the car but I had the car I was driving and I'm like, can I just leave the car I'm buying here? And they're like, nah, you got <laughs> you got like a day. You got like 24 hours to come get your car. So my brother picked me up, took me, got my car and now both cars are at home. But without that, and it's a, it's a ways away from where I live, that would have been a long ass walk. That would have been like a two day walk. So shout out to my brother. But um, I, asked, I asked people about their memories of their cars and what they were doing. And um, let's bring up some of those um, great memories. Because that, that's one of the, the things is your first car. It doesn't matter what it is or what it looked like. Your first car is something that you always remember and all the memories that, that happened in that car. So uh, let's, let's, let's read some of the things. Christine says, my dream car is a 2023 Range Rover convertible. My first car was... 1970 Chevy Malibu. I felt very cool driving that car. It was a guy magnet. 
Christine, you yourself was a guy magnet. Not just the car. The car was just icing on top. But I'm sure they were after you. I'm positive. Letitia says, my first car was a 1988 Oldsmobile Cutlass. I enjoyed every moment of hanging with friends and having freedom in it. My dream car is a 64 Impala SS convertible ruby red. That is awesome, Letitia. Robert says, Triumph TR4, 63 convertible. Best memory. Taking my brother's girlfriend to drive in it. You took your brother's girl to drive in it. Hopefully it was on some some brother-in-law stuff. And hopefully it wasn't a date. Hopefully you wouldn't do that to your brother, Rob. Oh, man. Uh, Tamika says, my first vehicle was a Chevy 91 Blazer. Being able to fill the tank with $15. I missed them days. I am not picky, but a Kia Telluride. That's a, that's a good choice. Kimberly says, my first car was a 20, a 20, a 2001 Mazda Miata convertible. Learn stick shift on that car. Love to drive it. It was leased, so I gave, I had to give her back. Many years later, I bought a dream car, another Miata. So much fun to drive and just the right size for me. Those look like fun little cars. They talked about it on Fresh Off the Boat, one of my favorite shows, and uh, good choice. Tawana says, 96 Chevy Cavalier, red. Uh, one previous owner and was the mechanic at the car lot. I should have kept that car. RJ says, I had a, pon- a Pontiac Phoenix approximately named as I had to keep raising it from the dead every couple of months after yet another thing broke down. These days, my ones are few. Any SUV-sized car, uh, late model year would be a nice improvement. So those are good responses. My very first car was a uh, 90 Chevy Beretta. So it was about it was about eight years old. Um, bought it off a side car lot. My dad helped me. And um, I drove that. It had over 100,000 miles on it. It was a used car from a used car lot. I was driving that thing everywhere, all over Ohio. I shouldn't have been doing that. Um, the own the owners of the car lot were super honest, and I appreciate them because at the time I was late teens, so I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things I remember was, you know, you get change, especially back then when everything was still cash, late nineties, and I would throw all my coins in where there's like this open area, but it was also where the cigarette lighter used to go. And pennies would drop down where the cigarette lighter would be, and it would short my car. And it kept happening, and they kept fixing it. They didn't tell me, hey, this is on you. They would fix it for me. I was a young kid. So then finally, the guy was like, hey, you're putting your change in here? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, don't put your change in here because that's when it's going to it's, it's shorten your car out. So I stopped doing that. Another memory I remember in that car was I drove it to... Um, I drove it to like Chillicothe and then from Chillicothe, I drove it to Zanesville and then Zanesville to Euclid and then from Euclid back home. And as soon as I pulled in the driveway, the alternator went out. If that would have happened in like Zanesville or somewhere, I would have been screwed. But that was a fun memory I had. I also had a $2,000 system, audio system in that car. I was bumping everywhere. The car wasn't worth that much, but I was I still sounded great. I could barely use it because the police would always pull me over and say, hey, don't use that. Um, nowadays, your system in your car sounds like that inside without 
making people mad at you outside but yeah good times in that car that was my very first car then i traded that one in for a pontiac sunfire convertible it looked really cool it was a coupe and uh i was driving that everywhere it was slightly used but uh one of another a biggest memory i used about that car was in another episode about michigan and and breaking down and um somebody being um a good samaritan and helping us so i'm not going to repeat that story but another story was my good friend heather we called her peachy and um we were all hanging out in lorraine one day and anybody from who's not from lorraine if you visit me in lorraine i am going to treat you to some puerto rican food so we went to rainbows we got some rice and beans and some other stuff and she got one of those potato balls with the little meat in the inside and we ate in the car and um later on after i took them home like through that whole summer i'm like man what's that smell what's that smell it smells like fish and i cleaned the car looked everywhere couldn't find it and i'm like why does my car smell so bad so then it started getting winter and i put up the the top one day and there was a potato ball that was wedged in the back where the the top lays down and i just didn't see it it was there the whole summer heather left it there had my car smelling terrible even though it was super clean but that was a good memory that i had in that car um then i i jumped up to chrysler sebring fully loaded convertible um that was probably the nicest flashiest car that i had and i was in my mid-20s getting towards my late 20s in my peak in my prime um I was hanging out with uh, the Taiwanese students in Ashland. And we were driving everywhere, having a good time. I love that car. Um, had the wrong person work on the car, which led to breakdowns at the worst time, what led to some financial trouble. And uh, long story short, that car just died. I had to go to a side lot and I got a Jeep Compass that was high payments and a lot of stuff that needed to be fixed on it, thousands of dollars worth. Um, drove that for a couple years until I was able to get out of that hole. But one of the things I remember about that car was uh, <laughs> two things. At one point, I could only drive at 40 miles an hour. Anything over 40, 40 miles an hour, I was at risk of having it just break down. So I would leave work and there would be people behind me. And it was the, the road was 50 and I'm doing 40. And everybody's behind me they're all mad and i would get to work and there was a woman from the cleaning crew and she would complain about some guy driving 40 miles an hour down the road and that guy was me and i had i didn't have the guts to tell her i was a guy running 40 miles an hour and the reason why so now if there's anybody in front of me that is going super slow i'm cool i just pass them but i i don't honk my horn i don't give them a hard time just because I know the reason why they're only going 40 miles an hour and I was at that point. So then after that, we got a Jeep Renegade. Um, I still had that Jeep Renegade. My wife was going to use it to take my daughter to um, school and, and to do her thing. Still runs great. We were the brand. It was brand new. We were the new owners of it, fully loaded. Um, the biggest memory that I have of that car, though, was bringing my daughter home after she was born and me being a first time dad putting the car seat in getting her in uh, you know weather was still cold but uh her and my daughter i kind of put them together 
and um, I'll keep that car as long as we can because of that. It'd be cool if she would like drive. It might be too old, but that could be her 18 year, or her teenage car. Uh, and then uh, we we just grab the Jeep Compass secondary car. Um, runs great. Um, I got another Jeep just because if there's a horrible storm and we need to make a run for it, we can all jump in the cars and get out of here. Um, but also my wife being used to driving Jeep, she can now drive Jeep and that's where we're at. So a lot of great memories of cars, being in America, a lot of our young youthful memories are, are tied to our cars and um, it was great to talk about cars and thanks to everybody for sharing your memories and your hopes and dreams about cars. So thanks everybody listening today to tomorrow. Email me robert at morewriting.com. Go to my website www.morewriting.com for all my stuff. Thanks everybody and we will see you next week.